Hello, my dears. You're listening to White Stag Conversations, the personal growth podcast where spirit and science meet for your best self and optimal health. I'm your host and NLP coach, Natasha, and this is part two of our first guest episode. If you haven't listened to part one yet, pause and go do that now. It's necessary. I have to admit that I cried a little while editing these last two episodes because it truly hurts me to the core to know how much pain some people are in and how hard they try to hide it. I'm beyond grateful that my sister Danny is still here with us and that she's not only surviving or coping, but thriving and creating a magnificent life for herself after healing her trauma. And we both have neurolinguistics to thank for that. As introduced in part one, Danny Devine is a former paramedic who healed her PTSD and made it her mission to share with the world that trauma can be healed. She's a nomad living in a home on wheels while she writes her first book and advocates for others with mental illness. Let's get back into it. So bringing it back to NLP, there is a trauma model that's used to recall the memory long enough that it's brought into that limbo state, but we're not focusing on that. So, you know, it's not prolonged exposure. You don't need to tell your whole story. NLP as a whole can be approached from a content-free perspective. So which is huge. We're going to highlight that. (laughs) Yes. Content free is almost unheard of with traditional therapies. What that means is that my client can sit across from me and tell me zero details about what happened to them. And the method is still effective. And just just imagine for a second. Yeah. Like imagine somebody presents you with all these alternative therapies and they're like, this one, you have to recount what happened to you. This one, you're going to have to share with me all the fine tuned details. But this one, you don't have to tell me shit. Yeah. Like, which one are you going to (laughs) choose? And on top of that, every other therapy has you reliving stuff. Yeah. And on top of that, it has a 92% success rate. Right. So compare that to the 48% or the 28% effective therapy. (laughs) It's like, hmm, I don't know. And it's fascinating because it is similar to prolonged exposure that, you know, we're recalling that memory. We're putting it in limbo with the hopes to change it so that when it goes back into long-term memory, it is forever changed. We're just doing it differently because it is completely content-free. And instead of making you relive every excruciating detail, we're removing yourself from the situation and removing the emotion from it so that... It sounds super far-fetched, but it's actually pretty easy when you do it. Yeah. Like, it sounds really out there, but when you're doing it, it's not that fancy is the word that I wanted to use, but that's not a good description either. Like, it's really not though. It's a it's essentially a visualization exercise guided by somebody who is trauma informed and knows what to look for to make sure that you're not re-triggering yourself to make sure that you're not getting stuck in that memory. AKA we'll see the signs that my EMDR practitioner did not before yes. I was hospitalized. <laughs> and see them very quickly so that before you're even triggered or before you even notice that you're triggered we're pulling you out of that situation or reminding you to step out of the image, um, which is something that we say a lot in NLP, step out of the image, to help that dissociation so that it becomes an event that happens instead of a crisis that is happening. Right. It removes you from the event so that you can see it as like a third party thing. Yeah. Not something that like you were directly involved in. It's like watching a movie quite literally. 
and we are in no way removing the memory. There's no like blocking it out or, you know, removing yourself far enough that, you know, you don't recall anything about it. It's really just removing the unwarranted emotion that's tied to that memory. And as soon as you sever that neural pathway and you're no longer feeding it with those negative affirmations, it kind of just dies off and you will forever be able to recall that event without being triggered and without being re-traumatized by it, which I love from an NLP coach perspective because seeing my clients work through it is just fascinating to me because we do the trauma model and I ask them, you know, when you think about that event, what does that make you feel? And they get this like look in their eyes, like they're physically and literally searching the room, like, where did that trauma go? And like, it's it's like a halo effect. Like, they look, is it in that corner? No, maybe it's over there. (laughs) No, and like, did I drop it on the floor? No, it's not there either. And then they look at me with this like bewilderment that's like, I, I don't really feel anything. Which is hilarious because like having experienced that firsthand, I was embarrassed because you go from being horribly, horribly emotionally affected by the memory of an event to quite literally searching for a fuck to give. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're like, it's just a thing that happened to me. What do you want me to tell you about it? Like, (laughs) So tell me about your first encounter with the procedure that's used. It's wild. So that was exactly what happened. Like we were at this workshop and basically I was a defensive, bitter asshole because I was still in the thick of my PTSD. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to prove them wrong. Like I was. We love skeptics, by the way. (laughs) They loved it. They loved it. They thought that was like even better, which I didn't really know what to think of. But I was sitting there like, (laughs) okay, like what do I have to lose? Really nothing. I've tried everything at this point and I think I'm doing pretty well coping with my PTSD. I'm like, if this is what life is going to look like, like, it's not great, but we can do it. But like, that's fine. We'll do it. (laughs) It's pretty much how I was feeling about my life at that point. I went up, I sat at the front of the room and I said like, okay, work your magic. (laughs) Let's see what happens. We're just going to erase my trauma. Just to clarify, this was the trauma workshop that I had talked to the coach about originally. Everybody was there from people who were interested in being coaches, first responders, people with trauma, their partners, anybody that was exposed to trauma. So like, yeah, a lot of people that were still working in the industry or were off on leave. Yeah. Trying to figure out like, is this something that I can deal with and go back to work with? Like, yeah, there were so many different unique circumstances. And throughout the weekend, there were demos. So the trainer and NLP coach that was hosting the workshop would bring somebody up and do a demo. So that's what Danny's talking about is when she went up, this was, I think, probably the last demo of the weekend and one of the most impactful. Which is like wild to think of considering I was like, okay, here, I'm going to prove you wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But also like... My enthusiasm going into that was purely from a, like, what do I have to lose mentality? And I know that a lot of people don't get to that mentality unless, unfortunately, they've experienced a lot. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I went through all those different therapies. I kind of knew what was out there, what was possible. And NLP hadn't really crossed paths with me yet. 
Mm-hmm. So I was still looking at this as a very like, oh yeah, kumbaya, like let's do yoga to heal our trauma, which all the power to you. If yoga brings you out of it and helps you cope, great. But I went into this thinking like it was a joke. I was like in a two and a half day workshop, you're going to heal the trauma that I've been battling for like six years. No. Yeah. We're going to think ourselves better. <laughs> Literally, that's what I said to Tata. I was like, okay, we're going to think ourselves better. Let's do it. Like, I haven't been able to do that in six years, but let's try. <laughs> yeah. So sitting at the front of a room on a stool, literally, and I remember thinking too, and I know that this is a reason a lot of people uh, actually hesitate to go through therapy or even seek out help because they think that their trauma, they don't, not that they think, they believe that their trauma serves them to some degree. So mm-hmm. to me, um, there were relationships that were tied up in my trauma that I believed I would lose uh, memory of, that I would forget or would become less important somehow if I healed my trauma. Like mm-hmm. it was almost like my trauma was like cementing them in my memory and I didn't want to let them go because I would also be letting go of the good memories that were lumped in with the bad memories, which is very much not the truth. But I remember thinking that. So I was like, okay, I guess if we're going to be one memory to delete, so to speak, let's go with the worst call that I remember. Like Mm -hmm. I picked the big bad one and I was like, okay, do your best. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Uh, Her exact words were for science. (laughs) Not that I was doing this for other people. (laughs) No, it was all for science. And I could see the like absolute defiance on her face of like, (laughs) just you wait, because this isn't going to (laughs) work. I love that you can see that too, because I'm like thinking I'm so sneaky and like, okay. Yeah, do your worst. Like, let's go. <laughs> we had also been trained at this point to identify those micro expressions. That I thought I was not showing. <laughs> all the more entertaining because she totally <laughs> thought she was being sneaky. Meanwhile, like, the NLP coach at the front of the room was pointing out to us. Like, all my trembles and quivers and yeah. flushing the fidgeting hands, <laughs> the shaking yeah, like- leg, and the tapping foot, and like, Oh, it's so, so funny because you think you're so stoic in it too. You're like, oh yeah, I'm like the badass paramedic. Like I have no emotions. Mm-hmm. Not <laughs> okay. the case from where I was sitting. <laughs> so we went through it. Um, for a little bit more detail on that call, I actually I recorded a podcast episode with Life After PTSD, and there's a lot of detail in that. I believe it's episode number sixty-two. Yes, uh, and there was a follow-up episode as well that I will link both of those in the show notes because they are definitely worth listening to. Beautiful. Because, yeah, that explains pretty much the whole demo, the demonstration that we did and how at the end of it, he asked me. And then again, having recounted this story before we did the work, I was trembling, like my voice was shaking. Again, I thought I was being perfectly stoic, but I was a mess. In the span of literally 15, 20 minutes, this happened. Mm-hmm. And this, again, it's just one event that he's clearing, but you can do so much in so little time with NLP, which is another reason it's amazing and seems too good to be true. But that's why we're here telling you about it. Efficacy. <laughs> yes, because he asked me how I felt about that specific event after we did the work. And I did exactly what Tasha said. 
like I looked around the room. I think my mouth was open. There was definitely a look of like bewilderment Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I was quite like I was literally searching for the emotion that I was so used to having come up and negative emotion, right? Negative emotion, like all this sweating and the fidgetiness and like anxiety that usually comes when I think of that call just didn't surface. And I was like waiting for it to drop. <laughs> like, and then I just looked at Alan at the care provider and I was like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's just something that happened to me. It, it doesn't have the negative association anymore. And that's it. <laughs> so the whole process of the trauma model really does take, you know, 15, 20 minutes, a little less, a little more, depending on the person, but it was probably about halfway through. So because it's a visualization exercise, Danny had her eyes closed and the rest of the room was observing. And the coach at the front of the room that was guiding her through this procedure was pointing out those subtle micro behaviors that we had identified at the beginning. So the shaking leg, the fidgeting hands, her eyelids were fluttering, her mouth was pursed and tight. Like she was very obviously anxious and stressed out and triggered. And by about halfway through the procedure, the hands went still, her foot stopped tapping. There was a clarity that came back into her face that was just like, an overall calm. She started it as like the definition of being triggered without the like emotion behind it. I so wish we had recorded this, but also was bawling in the audience. So oh, I was, I was bawling my eyes out. (laughs) We'll come back to that. And then when she opened her eyes and was, you know, asked, how do you feel about this? And she was looking for it, as she explained, she was sitting there completely still and calm. And I think you said something about feeling peaceful, did you not? Yeah, I think I said, I feel like I just smoked a joint. (laughs) Yeah, like, (laughs) like, the calm was like, I don't know how to explain it. If you've ever had PTSD or any kind of like anxiety attack, you know, the height that comes with that level of emotion. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like the negative of that. Like I was below zero on the stress scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Peace. Yeah. I was bawling in the audience because, and when I say audience, there was like 20 of us there. It wasn't like a big, <laughs> it wasn't a huge like, crowd conference demonstration or anything. It was like 20 people in a room, but I had watched her suffer in her denial and her struggles for years and I had watched her go through failed therapies and uh, the hospitalization hospital yeah like and you know seeing her at that rock bottom of her PTSD experience and hoping and praying that this NLP shit was as fantastic as they were telling me it was and that it wasn't just a weird cult pseudoscience as (laughs) wikipedia describes it i remember having conversations with my mom too as i went through this workshop and came home every night and told her about it and it was like both of us were looking at each other with squinted eyes like "Eh, it's too good to be true you know what i mean like yes we were both we had watched so much failure and disappointment over the years that we were just like okay like we'll go through it but don't get your hopes up you know because unfortunately that's the reality and it I had no idea how much better it would get like no idea yeah so watching all of this struggle and doubt and in 15 minutes she just was completely calm 
and the most still I had seen her in years. And that look of bewilderment and just hearing her admit like, you know, yeah, it was just an event that had happened and retell the story from a completely different perspective now that the trauma was removed. Let me How also could you add- not be emotional watching somebody go through that, let right. alone your sister who happens to be one of your best friends? Like, it was amazing. And literally on the spot, I was like, yeah, I am no longer a social worker. I am dropping out of university. I am going to be an NLP coach. <laughs> yeah. And I was fully healed. So I had gone through the breakthrough program with Alan, who had performed this demo and led the workshop that we went to. And... I have been symptom and relapse free for 388 days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm still year. counting by day over a year. I'm still counting by day. For a while I went, I was counting by month. Um, but I'm counting by day still because I think it, I mean, the bigger number is definitely a reward to look at. <laughs> it's cathartic, but also because every single day, after we healed my trauma and after I recovered completely, I was like waiting for the ball to drop. I was waiting mm-hmm. for the relapse. And I think so was my mom. And so were my friends. <laughs> and so was my social media following because they were like, this is too good to be true. I don't get it. Like, yeah. I'm here to tell you that literally over a year later, no ball path dropped. <laughs> yeah. And so many people who have gone through that trauma breakthrough um specifically with Alan because he is the trauma focused coach have exactly the same story and exactly the same experience because as i mentioned you know 92% success rate that's not made up there have been studies done there have been other coaches who do this that have Around their own the anecdotes and success yeah. stories and you know shameless self-promotion. This is what I do. And my out of the woods trauma package is exactly the breakthrough that Danny went through. And, and how long does it take Tasha? It's eight to 12 sessions, including the follow-up sessions. And so it's roughly two months from to start clarify, to finish. Roughly two months and you're done. Yeah. From start to finish. And literally, and this is backed by science, which is like this to me, is the coolest result that could come from a scientific experiment, so to speak. Like, if you look at this, me and everybody else who has healed from trauma or PTSD using NLP for trauma, um, neuro-linguistic programming, or it's sometimes known as RTM, the reprocessing of traumatic memories, Mm -hmm. anybody who goes through this is like the biggest scientific proof because we're all relapsed. Like 92% isn't a joke. These are people who have experienced it. The science has been around and it's being fine-tuned or it's been fine-tuned since the seventies, literally like this is something we need to be talking about. Yeah. And that 8% that it doesn't work for is people who aren't ready to heal their trauma or who are provider. Sorry. Or aren't honest with their provider. Like if you're just telling your care provider what they want to hear, you're not going to see the results. You have to be invested in it. Yes. And you have to do the work. There definitely has to be a level of trust and cooperation with your coach because you get out of it what you put into it. 
the coach is just there to guide you from start to finish, but you are the one that does the work. Um, but yeah, that 8%, well, it may not have been successful. They did not ever come out of it re-traumatized or worse than they went in. So put it this way, have you ever had a care provider promise you that you would come out of this better than you went into it? Because I never did. I never had anybody give me the assurance that it would work or that it would hell even help. Mm -hmm. so for a care provider to look me in the eye and say we will have you healed by Christmas which was mm, a month away at that point yeah I was gonna say like six weeks ish I was like how can how can you be that confident and that's the thing is like the science that backs this he he had seen it firsthand he had seen that 92 percent and he was like you deserve this and I think I really just needed somebody to tell me that this was different because it worked. Yeah. And it sounds like a cult. I will admit that because so many people who are involved in NLP either (laughs) as coaches or clients or, you know, just curiosity, they looked into it. They end up raving about it because it's miraculous. Quite literally, it is miraculous and you can't minimize that. No, and it does sound too good to be true. And I laugh every time I have a consultation and they're like, uh, I'm like, oh, I know. <laughs> Again, I know. And I did that for days. <laughs> so then I usually ask like, you know, can you humor me? And what do you have to lose to go through like two or three sessions just to see what happens? And because I feel the same way, you know, you were, you are worth it. You are worth feeling better. You are worth having your life back and not just your like old life back, but like a better life better back. Better than you can even imagine. Like I had no idea. I thought I knew what I would want of my life if I was better. You daydream about it every single day while you're traumatized. Cause yeah. you're like, oh, I'm so far-fetched. Like what could that be like? But I am doing things now that I never would have ever thought were possible or even on my interest radar and I'm so happy like what like what like are we getting into that are we getting into the Danny's passion projects yeah tell me about what you're doing now so since I've recovered and don't get me wrong this was very tentative at the beginning because I was still waiting for that ball to drop I was still waiting for relapse which never came But I started fantasizing about the things that made me happy. So I had started learning about van life, which it's a hashtag, it's a culture, it's a community. (laughs) Um, Alan, my NLP provider, was very excited about that and wanted to live vicariously through me as I planned this. And I loved it. I have always dreamed about living nomadically. So not rooting myself in one place, but rather being able to explore and travel as a way of life. Um, Mm -hmm. So I am currently building out a home on wheels, which is hilarious because when we were kids, I used to be (laughs) envious of my little brother and his bedroom on wheels, as I called. (laughs) That's what she called his stroller. Literally a bedroom on wheels. Because we would go for walks and he would nap. And she was like, oh, imagine how cozy it is in there. (laughs) Now look where we are. (laughs) So now I'm rolling in my own bedroom on wheels. (laughs) The confidence that I have now, like, let me tell you, you can say whatever you want about me. 
and my lifestyle and I will still continue to live like this because I am a happy hippie and say what you want this is my life and I think going through the pain and the trauma that I did just showed me that there is a way out mm -hmm. it's not a life sentence like you don't have to live with these restrictions placed over you for the rest of your life I like to imagine I have 80 years still to do whatever I want to do <laughs> Yeah, I'll be like 110, but we're, we're going with that. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> because I don't it. want my life to end. And I think that is the biggest testimonial that you can pull from my entire experience because I attempted suicide twice. Yeah. And That's I spent months in the hospital because I decided there's no freaking way. Like, I, I refuse. I'm not going to live this life because it's, it's bad. There's nothing worth extracting from the life mm -hmm. that I was living. And to go from that to being so impassioned by what I went through that I'm committed to, like, I've literally made it my mission to share with the world that recovery is possible. And if there's nothing else that I can convey <laughs> as a message, that is the message that I want to be able to share with people is that recovery is possible and trauma is not a life sentence because I've literally... So we'll start with this. I started building out my home on wheels. I came out as a lesbian at 27. So I officially owned who I am authentically. I started my dreadlocks. So very spiritual attachment to my growth in the physical form as dreadlocks represent your spiritual journey and what you've been through. What else am I doing? I started my own brand. I launched my website. It's MissDannyDivine.com. So if you wanted to hop on over there, I have blog posts. I write about my experience. I write about the different types of therapies that you can go through and the modalities of how these sciences work or don't work. I share free resources because I was infuriated by how little information was available when I was looking through, you know, like what my options were, what soldiers had dealt with. I had no idea how prevalent trauma was in sexual assault survivors, in childbirth survivors. It's everywhere. And I think as a society, we need to accept that it's prevalent. Like I'm getting so off topic again. My whole brand is just, I'm dedicated to sharing that you can heal mm -hmm. and that life can get so much better than you ever imagined. I've started designing illustrations that perhaps not so eloquently convey a lot of the thoughts that we have as trauma survivors. I've accurately named it, That's Fucking Rude, on Instagram <laughs> with no you. I am sharing these little illustrations with cute little quotes like PTSD is not a life sentence, things of these nature that people might say, I don't know, I've always loved that like people with mental illness are notorious for being rude, which I think is hilarious because we're not rude. Like we're dealing with unprecedented levels of stress inside our own minds. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to get some snark here and there, like deal with it. <laughs> but also the snark and like that dark humor is I live for it. gold. Yeah. So those are being illustrated and I'm going to retail them on my site as stickers, as note cards, as merch eventually, like um, clothes, t-shirts, hoodies, hats, those kinds of things. So it sounds like a hot mess of 11,000 projects, Just but it is all coming together. <laughs> and my brand essentially is advocating for those with mental illness and reducing stigma in every way we know how to. And finally, the 
last project that Living in a Home on Wheels has afforded me. Um, I'm writing my first book. I say first because I know there will be more than one. And I came to... After a lot of deliberation, I came to the conclusion that it is going to be a memoir. Mm -hmm. I'm 27, so I realized how much of a joke that sounded like when I first started writing it. But I've gotten past that because, unfortunately, I've lived through enough bullshit to fill a book at 27. And I think that my story needs to be shared because it isn't a common one. It isn't like every other veteran on YouTube. It isn't like your friends that have trauma and hide it or your coworkers who pretend that they aren't traumatized. It's an honest account of what I went through and something that I wish I had as a resource when I was in the thick of it. Yeah. Because every trauma experience is unique and different and everybody experiences that differently. So plus I want people to see that what I went through wasn't you know, like trying to determine the root of my trauma. I looked at every call that I experienced as a paramedic and it ultimately wasn't that. So if that's the cherry that has you coming to pick up my book, like, yeah, (laughs) it wasn't any of my calls that caused my trauma. So let's start there because I think there's also this assumption that like what caused your trauma is the biggest worst nugget of experience. Mm-hmm. And usually it isn't like, yes, that's what stands out in our mind most. But a lot of the time it's what your brain suppresses and the things that you forget about or minimize that usually end up being the worst villains, I guess. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's considering doing a trauma breakthrough? I would say, first and foremost, what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. And more importantly, just try not to consider the ways that trauma has protected you or served you, um, the memories that are associated with your trauma, the people associated with your trauma. Don't think about all of the good things that your trauma has afforded you. And I know that might sound kind of backwards, but it's easier said than done. Um, instead, I want you to just think about what it has robbed you of. Because for me, it robbed me of my early 20s. It robbed me of authentic gay relationships because I was lying to myself. It robbed me of a career that I loved. Um, And it robbed me of a lot of friendships and connections that I could have had that probably would have served me at my worst. But I avoided everybody and became a hermit, which makes it a lot easier to idealize or plan uh, an attempt on your life. Can I just take a moment to celebrate the fact that you still refer to your paramedic career as a career that you loved after the trauma? Right. Like it never hurt me No. in all of that. And even if it was a first responder call that was at the root of your trauma, for me, it wasn't. I loved being on the road and yeah. I don't think it has to be a negative thing. Like I still look back on even my trauma with a positive mindset because it brought me here, which sounds super corny, but. No, I love it. We have to practice accepting where we're at and choosing our next move to move forward. Yes. Mindfulness is actually one of the best things I learned with my forensic psychologist. Just being aware, just observing what you do what happens to you and how you respond mm-hmm. that scientific mind is coming out looking at yourself as 
an experiment almost. Yeah, really. <laughs> Just observing the changes and the behaviors and decisions and responses and reactions. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Just without judgment too. Like, yes, oh, that's oh my a thing goodness, that, that I is do so <laughs> important. No judgment, like observe without bias, yeah. which is really hard to do when you're looking at yourself, but Especially when your amygdala is telling you to be intensely shameful. <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't really help, but yeah. All right. Well, on that note, are you ready to head into our lightning round questions? Woohoo. Let's go. The point of these is don't overthink it. I've kept them fairly high level on purpose, but fill in the blank. Mental health is. Oh, mental health is something everyone has. Beautiful. What are you most grateful for? My life. That sounds oh, stupid. I love that. Really, like, I'm, I'm so grateful. And I think about this every day, but I am so grateful that I didn't off myself. And that sounds like I'm making light of it, but I'm really not. If I wasn't still here, I wouldn't have been able to see just how good it could get. Mm -hmm. What makes you emotional? Thinking about the sheer amount of people that this could help that may never hear about it because it's not mainstream. Yeah. I have the same frustration. It's not even frustrating. Like it's physical pain because I'm like, I know how it feels to be on the edge of like, I want to die. Mm -hmm. And the urgency of that is not accurately expressed anywhere <laughs> because it's a freaking problem and it's not talked about. And it's like, one in three people. Yeah. The statistics are terrifying. Who is someone who inspires you? Mm, she's going to like this little shout out. Rocio Cabrera. <laughs> Ooh. So we'll tag her Instagram or maybe link her website, but she's a very eccentric artist based out of the Bronx in New York. And I have forever loved her for being unapologetically herself. That's my biggest goal is to be the most authentic version of myself. And she she just always brings it. And it's a party. It's a color party. It's like a happy party. Just go check out Rusio. <laughs> unapologetic fierce women are all oh, <laughs> Yes. I live for it. My clients who come to me and they start off like that, I'm like, oh, you are going to take over the world when we're finished Literally. here because <laughs> they're already no halfway there. Yeah. I love it. What is something you could not live without? My dog. Aww. I think that like it's he's such a little nugget, but I never would have imagined how important he would become to me because I kind of inadvertently created a trauma dog <laughs> by having PTSD and getting a puppy. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not the only person it's happened to, but yeah, he is my, he's my reason most days. What is your go-to form of self-care? Ooh, journaling. Nice. Yeah. That, or yoga. I think it's a tie between the two. I mean, yoga did not cure my trauma, but it's a hell of coping method. <laughs> it is. Yoga and like meditation can be so powerful. Yeah. What is your most used emoji? Hmm. Probably the laugh cry with one like sweat drop on the forehead. 
because I feel like that just like embodies me as a person. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> if you had a personal motto, what would it be? Only dead fish go with the flow. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that one before. Oh my God, I love it. Because it, it's really like, if you're going with the flow, are you really honoring you as a person? Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of, you're going with the flow. You're just yeah. know, settling for what everybody else wants you to be. No, I want to be loud and unapologetically myself. Like, fuck you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what is your favorite food or favorite meal right now? Oh my God. Right now, forever. I'm Irish. So that'd be a potato in any <laughs> form. <laughs> French fries for the win. <laughs> What song gets you most fired up? Call Me Mother by RuPaul. <laughs> yes! <laughs> because if I am in a bad mood, like, just next time you're in a bad mood, put that song on, and I dare you to not crack a smile. Magic. That's awesome. Shout out your website and your social again. Where can people find you and interact with you? Okay. So, shameless self-promotion. My website is www.missdannydivine.com, and we'll link that below. Mm-hmm. My Instagram and social handles are the same, so Miss Danny Divine. My YouTube channel, just search for Danny Divine, and that will come up. It's also linked on my website. And if you want to check out the illustrations of rude quotes... <laughs> Or statements, you can check out my secondary merch account, which is called That's Fucking Rude with no you. So at That's Fucking Rude on Instagram. And I occasionally link those in my standard social channels as well. And all merch, last but not least, can be purchased on my website at missdannydivine.com. I'd love getting to uh, communicate with the trauma positive recovery mindset. Because I think a lot of people dwell on the negative and that's Mm -hmm. very easy to do. It is. It's so easy to get stuck and caught up in the suffering. But imagine a world where that didn't have to be the only answer. Right. Where hope wasn't a pipe dream and trauma is not a life sentence. Like, have any of your clinicians or doctors told you about NLP? Because they didn't tell me about it. And here I am, fully recovered, which I think is rude. (laughs) Would you say that it's fucking rude? (laughs) It's fucking rude. (laughs) So I am telling you about it because it exists. And it's magic. It is magic. I love my job. I love my clients. I love their journey. And I don't like calling it a journey, but I love witnessing their breakthrough from start to finish and yeah I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode Danny will absolutely be making another guest appearance in the future thank you so much for listening to today's episode of White Stag Conversations we covered a lot in this two-part guest episode with lots of great takeaways and I'd love to hear what you thought you can connect with me on social at White Stag Co or visit whitestagco.ca and we'll talk soon.